embedded in the traditional internet is um, the payment protocol or 402. Now that we have Bitcoin as an asset, does Bitcoin and other things like that allow that bridge for new namespaces, the dot coms to use that 402? I think it goes the other way. I think they the, the legacy space and the new naming all uses the stuff over on the decentralized side, like lightning. Right. But it like, makes that allowed to be able to embed into websites. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. And you're going to have, you know, micropayments will finally be a thing. You know, right. when I got back from Miami, I was so excited about Lightning. It was really visceral of we have to be involved in Lightning. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinion of Arcos Global Advisors or its advisors. The mention of different asset types or securities do not constitute a recommendation for our clients. If you have any questions about the content of this podcast, please contact your advisor. In this episode of Navigating Bitcoin's Noise, I'm joined by Mark Jeftovic, CEO of EasyDNS. In our discussion, we cover the similarities between the early days of domains and hosting and how that intersects with the evolving Bitcoin network and broader cryptocurrency ecosystem. Mark also shared what it's like to be an early adopter of holding sound money on the balance sheet, decentralized domains, his newsletter, The Crypto Capitalist, and the budding interest in Bitcoin infrastructure as a way to bring back productivity into local economies. If you're looking to better understand Bitcoin's past and its future potential as an economic network, then join us and listen in. You said something that was really uh, struck home with me uh, a few weeks ago. And you talked about this idea that because you're on the infrastructure side of the business, so you kind of see things and we're in this world where everything is credit and leverage and and there's not really that much productivity. I mean, if you look at any economic data, especially in the United States, productivity has fallen through the floor the last 50 years. And and one of the key tenets of, of Bitcoin is basically... Not although this year has been a little bit different with leverage all in the Bitcoin markets, but generally not using leverage, being productive to produce something. And that's kind of the problem. We sit here uh, in the U.S. with all the supply chain mess because we're largely more of a service industry and not productive. And you guys have probably seen some of that in Canada as well. But you said something to the effect of you could see in the future where you might have these communities that get built around mining rigs and some of that's mm-hmm. happening in Texas and, and cell towers and all these tools that are, are productive uses in the future, but require a lot of upfront work, a lot of up, upfront capital and, and don't really rely on service. Maybe you can extrapolate a little bit on that. Yeah. I mean, so I, I've been trying to explore the idea of I guess almost micro hubs throughout Ontario because this is Canada, this is the Canadian Shield. There are you know millions of little rivers and tributaries and waterfalls and hydro projects and and rural towns. And I you know we saw with COVID this real deurbanization, like people moving out to the sticks or to the country. We shut our office down before COVID, just pure fluke, but. Nobody was using our office and we had like 5,000 square feet in downtown Toronto, which costs a fortune and nobody's ever there. So the lease ended, 
you know, in June, 2019, we just said, forget it. There's no point, you know, and they were going to raise our lease. They're going to charge us for this extra HVAC unit and charge you this, this, this. We said, how about you just keep the office? <laughs> we all just worked remotely because we were all doing it anyway. And then COVID hit and we thought just, you know, everybody keep doing what they're doing. And from there, you know, there's this one town where our COO moved that's got these two hydro projects down there. And they're both owned by fairly large companies. But, you know, I was thinking a building came for sale in the, in the downtown of that little town. It's like, what if we bought that building? What if we got the power straight from one of those hydro projects? What if we were mining Bitcoin out of that building? You know, what if we built like a data center there and there's more capacity? And, and then I just had this idea that I think I'm not the only person thinking this way. I mean, even back in the dot-com craze eras, you were hearing about some of the larger companies like Google and Amazon were buying like hydroelectric projects and putting little, you know, satellite data centers on them. I think that's going to start happening more and more often where you'll have a, a, a town just want to decide like, like what's going on in Texas, say, look, we want to attract some, you know, non-farming businesses here. We mm -hmm. want to, you know, so we'll, we'll, we've got a waterfall, we've got a hydro project, or we've got some in Ontario, there seems to be decommissioned um, like uh, biomass generating right. plants. So things like that. So, okay, you set up, you, it all revolves around like Bitcoin mining as the economic sort of power center of that. And then from that, someone's got to build a data center there. And from that, you're going to attract some, some companies that, that work in the space. And then you just kind of builds from that. So you're well positioned on the data center side, the Bitcoin knowledge side. Um, also in Canada, you guys have a lot of, you know, oil sands and, and things yeah. like, you know, yeah. kind of like Texas, they've got a lot of oil. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, big uh, oil and gas companies that, have EPA requirements that they have to meet. And a yeah. lot of that stuff is, is not clean. And that's one area in Texas where um, Bitcoiners um, have gone in and helped them take some of that excess waste, waste gas, and then, yeah. you know, power mining rigs to, to, um, you know, Nick Carter talks a lot. He's got a lot of research on balancing the grid, which is another problem in Texas. So uh, just seems like a great fit. I mean, I think, um, your foresight there is spot on. Um, sounds crazy. You know, it sounds a little crazy and the regulatory environment in Ontario is not conducive to it, but mm -hmm. I'm hoping, you know, it, we, you know, things like this can forge ahead regardless and, and maybe the environment changes or maybe the regulatory uh, regimen changes, maybe it becomes less relevant. I don't know. We'll see. Do you think that's something that you'll pursue or is this more something that you're just kind of like kicking the tires of a what if? I think I'm, I'm somewhere between the kicking the tires and pursuing phase. I've had a few meetings with some people about say, Hey, look, if I can find some locations for you to, to put some portable mining rigs, will you do it? And, and they're interested. They're definitely interested. So um, I'm, I'm somewhere, like I said, somewhere past the kicking tires and, and, toward the, you know, let's start doing this. Let's start working on this. Mm -hmm. And do you think you'll just fund it with the existing business or will you go out and do capital raise? We talked a little bit about, fortunately, the first yeah. time around, you guys didn't raise capital, which worked out well. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I was always like bootstrap grassroots, like just, just, but in, in this landscape in crypto, it moves so fast. I don't think you can do it without investment. It mm-hmm. just, you just can't bootstrap a Bitcoin mining business. You can yep. put a Bitcoin miner in your garage, right? right. You, you had your, uh, his name escapes me, but he was on talking about that, but yeah. Yep. Sawyer. You, yeah. You can't bootstrap turning like a, a, a two megawatt hydro project into a Bitcoin mining farm. You right. can't, you got to have someone behind you, investors. That's important because a lot of what's going on, I mean, in Texas, they're doing legit stuff in China, they did legit stuff and in other places throughout the world where um, people are running large scale mining operations. But for the average person, it's kind of more of a fun hobby that I've talked to a couple other guys that do it at home. Most of them don't make money or it's two or three years mm-hmm. to, to break even just yeah. because of the upfront capital cost. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and so that is a, a big key. I know earlier we talked about you know, leverage on balance sheets and, and the pitfalls of that, but to run a big business, uh, you know, CapEx on the front end is high and mm-hmm. everybody doesn't have deep pockets to come in, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't. Debt and lending is not bad if you allocate the capital appropriately. Yeah. It depends what you, what you leave her up to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was recently listening to the, Alexander Hamilton biography and mm-hmm. um, we broke away from from Britain uh, that same sort of mentality kind of permeated in in some of the the chapters about you know sort of getting away from the big brother that had kind of wrecked the monetary system and mm-hmm. tried to create a new one but in order to do so they had to build these productive towns and productive cities to sort of rebuild effectively the same system in the long run but mm-hmm. it was That's at a time when when there was a reset that was needed just strictly because the system was kind of collapsing on itself the way it had. It certainly feels like that's where we're at today, like across all dimensions and all jurisdictions, really. There's no, right, Europe, Canada, Japan, China, like all of it. It's just like, it's all run out of runway. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kicking the can from here, I don't know how they're going to do it. Do you think, do you think about um, just kind of global citizen or the self-sovereign citizen where maybe, you know, some of the things that changes are we don't become so attached to a nation state, sovereign individual. Yeah. I mean, that that was a huge book for me. I've probably read it four or five times over the last 20 years. And um, I, I like where I am geographically. Like, I think Canada is a great country um, and I like being a Canadian. However, I think of this global citizen thing, like I'm in the process of getting my Barbadian citizenship for for my daughter and I, my wife's already Barbadian. So that's what qualifies us, you know, having multiple passports, having property outside of the country, having multiple businesses, multiple residences, multiple passports. I just think that is going to increasingly be a thing, um, you know, more and more as time goes on for the people who actually have assets. And that's, I mean, that kind of brings us to the whole, what I, what I call the great bifurcation, right? This whole demolition of the middle class. And I, I really hate to speculate how that plays out, but it's going to be 
Yeah, you, you see signs. I mean, I think we don't because you have to be careful a little bit because you go down the gloom and doom. Um, yeah. But as with anything, even in rough times, there's a bull market somewhere. Yeah. Um, so you you also kind of just have to look around and say, hey, what does my life look like? What do I want my life to be in the future? Does this match? Do I need to start? Just that's the game theory of life and and part of mm-hmm. the stuff. So um, I always, you know, and sometimes it's probably a little bit overboard looking at the what ifs, but I think that that you have to play those scenarios out. So somebody like yourself that obviously has looked deeper into a lot of these areas than most people. I always try to listen in on what your thoughts are. My other completely counterintuitive thought around it all, because I am a decentralist and I don't like nation state centralization is I I've been thinking for years now, surprising even myself that the natural move in the future is for Canada and the U S to kind of, meld. Uh, <laughs> if you could do it while eliminating the federal government of both countries <laughs> right, and, just, and being like a, a true federation of independent states, then I think, you know, you'd really have something powerful there. But to just cr- glom together into this North American super state with like a, a, a centralized government, I think would be a step backwards. But it is it is one of those sort of thought experiments I do that um, kind of persists in my mind sometimes. You know, the best part about that, the taxes would get straight. And, you know, if you bought a book over there from over here, it wouldn't cost you double. Yeah. I mean, our, our life in Canada is like your entire existence is, oh, I found this really great thing that I'm into. Oh, it's in the States. It's not here yet. Or it's not, <laughs> you can't buy it here. It's like valid, uh, you know, offer void in Canada. And yeah. Like Does, uh, I've never really paid attention to this. Just think about it. Does Bitcoin solve that at all? Well, it's certainly. Um, I mean, I guess you're still using Canadian dollars to buy your Bitcoin. Yeah, but- so. But, you know, it's it's a funny thing because Canada is pretty in the mix in terms of like the rise of Bitcoin and like Ethereum was pretty well created in Toronto. And mm-hmm. and uh, so Canada is a crypto country. Mm-hmm. And I think that was possibly one of the attractions was was like this tied us into the rest of the world, um, you know, at a speed more more conducive to the technology, because if we left it up to our political leaders and bureaucrats to tie us into the rest of the world, like you should see the regulations they're coming out with up here is just Mm. like retrograde and 19th century style. It's like they have no clue. So we kind of, we kind of leapfrogged all that with crypto and it's like, we're just doing this, you know, and suddenly you have Canadians and everybody else in the world just doing this thing together um, that's that's taking off and gathering momentum and um, and that's you know very encouraging. That that is interesting and I've I've noticed it myself. Um, had Greg Foss on and you, Drew McMartin, um, but the the number of high quality Bitcoiners that live in Canada is pretty shocking. I mean, um, it easily Jeff Booth had him on uh, easily rivals you know the United States, which you know has taken the the torch to kind of run with things, but I'd argue a lot of the thought leadership is coming out of Canada. So that is pretty interesting. It's because it's because we're more repressed than you are in the States and it's an escape valve. 
right? I mean, Canada is a left-wing country. I mean, I don't mind classical liberalism, but it's like really, you know, the policies coming out here, like I said, they're they're backwards, they're retrograde. And, and so people, what can you do? Well, you can think. And Bitcoin and crypto is basically math and it's thought and it's energy. And there's not a damn thing a politician or a bureaucrat can do about what you think. And so that's probably why so much mental energy in this country has gone into this space that ties in with your other you know um these communities built around bitcoin i mean there's one thing for sure if you don't like thinking you're not going to like bitcoin Um, (laughs) yeah uh, which is a positive because as from a society and we'll just lump the united states and canada together here i do feel like a lot of our citizens have lost the ability to think if it's not coming through, you know, the from some thinking. Yeah. 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 They're just, Hey, I did, I scrolled and I didn't see the answer. It's, it, you know, it doesn't exist. Whatever I saw is what it is. I'm going to speak to that in a sec, but after I finished lambasting Canadian policymakers, I realized I did, I was unfair to them in one sense that we already have Bitcoin ETFs here, like spot ETFs and mm-hmm. stuff. So in this weird, uh, uh, incongruous pocket of crypto regulation, this country somehow led the charge ahead. And it's like, okay. And so, and so that kind of further opened the runway, I think. Well, you know, in a weird way, right? Bitcoin is about allowing emerging countries to get ahead. Yeah. You know, El Salvador, all these emerging countries. Now, you don't think of Canada as an emerging country, but you're also second tier to the United States. As we talked about, if you want to buy something from the U S it costs you a good bit more. So um, it would make sense that even though your policymakers maybe have done things wrong or have gotten things wrong, it kind of shows that they are thinking of how do we get ahead? How do we get out from, you know, the system of being, they see it as middle. an edge. Enough of them, at some level, say this can give us this. You know, mm-hmm. this can give us an edge. I suppose, right? Yep. Uh, but to to your other point about the critical thinking, I always bring it back to the mainstream media, which I think is the singular most uh, toxic entity in the world today. Yes, because if the mainstream media, like that's that's. Truth is what the mainstream media says is truth. And and that's it. And so, um, you know, the tail very much wags the dog. Like a lot of people, especially in Canada, say, oh, well, the mainstream media is like, you know, Trudeau is controlling the media. No, the media is controlling Trudeau. The media is controlling Premier Doug Ford. It's like they're they're terrified of losing Mm -hmm. the media support. So they'll do anything the media, wherever the media zeitgeist goes, they will follow because they're terrified of not having the media support. That's my theory anyway. I 100% agree. I mean, you, you know, you, you'll get labeled as a conspiracist or, or whatnot, but I think if you take anything big over the last 10 years, at least here in the U.S., if you take any big thing that was coming out of the media, subprimes contained, all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, and then you go, okay, the event happened. Here's what happened after. Now let's review how it all started. Rarely is it ever what's coming out of the headlines. Yeah, never. Yeah, yeah, never. yeah. I'll let you say never. I, I agree. Um, but rarely ever is 
the even the earliest months, here's what happened, here's why it's happening. It is just not even close. Not I am so over cynical about it that I mm-hmm. almost categorically refuse like to just believe anything the media says, like yeah. almost yeah. as a knee jerk that that so I, it's even so that's actually at the expense of my own critical thinking to think, mm-hmm. well, the media said it, so it can't be true. I mean, that's right. just as that's just as flawed as believing it. So I have to really kind of ratchet myself down, but it's just, it's exhausting. It really yeah. is. And what I try to do, um, you know, and we all have our faults and, and we all fall to the things that we believe. That's just, we're human, but I try to read as many different subjects, different topics from different places even though I may not read mainstream media, I do look at the headlines. I mean, Je- Jesse yeah. Livermore was the greatest trader ever. Yeah. And that's what he did. He didn't read the nuts and bolts. It's the semantics and the breakdown of the headline and maybe a little snippet here or there to yeah. try to combat that because it does feel like they've led us astray in a lot of different areas. But by the same token, if you really kind of look at what's being said, how it's being said, the semantics of it, it, it tells you what you need to know. For me, history helps a lot, different forms of history. So, and that's actually what helps get me out of conspiratorial thinking, right? Right. So when you think about, um, oh, well, Klaus Schwab controls the world and and it's, you know, there's Mm -hmm. all agenda 2030 or whatever. And then you read a book like the Victorian internet and you Mm -hmm. realize it was the exact same dynamic back then, except the, the high speed uh, rails of narrative back then were the telegraph, right? But it was still fake news and BS and and mm-hmm. and gaslighting. Yeah. Right? So nothing really changes. Well, we we were talking about. I was listening to Alexander Hamilton, and in there it says at the time of, you know, they had broken away from Britain, but fifty percent of New York in the Northeast, the thirteen colonies, fifty percent were in favor of the king. Still, mm-hmm. they're in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Across the sea, war. I think it was over. If not, it was towards the end. But they were still favoring Britain. And yeah. he said, of the other fifty percent, thirty percent were closet favoring, right? Britain. So here we are. We just started a new country, or, or on the verge yeah. of it. And basically, probably seventy percent of the people wish that the kingdom still existed. So yeah. it just, you know, kind of shows to what you said. Um, history re- repeats the the times, the events, the the dates are different. A lot of times, I'll I will take past historical texts that seem to stand out, like a paragraph, and I'll replace six words: mm-hmm. the date, you know, who the primary yeah. subject is, and I'll replace it with, well, here's kind of where my brain's at, and I'll repre- replace it with only like two or three words, and then reread it, and if it sounds exactly alike, I keep going. Yeah. It, if it sounds different, then I'm like, eh, probably just, you know, that's conspiracy. Um, yeah. But interesting. Um, good, good, uh, good exercise. Yeah. So, well, that's probably good. Um, where can uh, listeners, you know, find out more about you or, or about the newsletter or, or anything that you think they should be paying attention to? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, the main business is easydns.com and uh, the crypto capitalist is the crypto capitalist.com. And uh, I write, you know, um, just blogging stuff that goes on zero hedge and stuff like that is usually out via bombthrower.com. 
And then on Twitter, I'm Stunt Pope. Don't ask me how I got that one. And uh, on Getter, I'm Bomb Thrower. Awesome. Well, Mark, I really appreciate you joining today and talking to us about your business plus your thoughts going forward. Yeah, thanks, Kane. I've been enjoying your podcast, so happy to be on. Awesome. Thanks.